0: I'd like to invite you along the Camino with me. I'm Holly Brock and welcome to the playful ponderings of my particular pilgrimage along the Camino de Santiago. The Irishman and the Pilgrim I really enjoyed writing this story. I must say, after being with this particular Irishman, I knew he deserved a story all his own. Yet maybe there was an even better story to tell, something all of us would want even more. The Irishman and the Pilgrim. Ho, the the in the real bog, the the bog in the the I hear him singing before I come around the bend. It's an Irish tune being sung rather off tune. We are descending from Othabreo, and the valley is spreading out magnificently before us. I smile, realizing that I too have found myself humming coming down from that mountain top. That unique place with its fog and full moon and old stone church where I understood Jesus in a new way the night before created a joyous reception of this bright morning scene. I came around the bend and saw a weathered Irishman. I introduced myself and boldly declare that I am an Irish woman at heart. In response, I receive a robust hug and smack on the back. He is ruddy, with bushy gray hair, beard to match, and rosy cheeks. I imagine his hair was red when he was younger. That would match his fiery countenance. We share a moment upon this vista taking in the sun and the green valley. This green, although beautiful, is not an Irish green. There is nothing like an Irish green. Nothing. When I sighed deeply and shared this opinion, the Irishman suddenly squared up with me, looked me sternly in the eyes, and with hot breath said, There was a long pause. Then the moment broke. He smiled again and gave me another hearty smack on the back. I asked him what it meant. He raised his bushy eyebrows and said with a twinkle in his eyes, It means our day will come. And as the true meaning dawned on me, the hairs on top of my head stood up. Declaring, Our day will come was no mere positive psychological platitude. This was a war cry. He wasn't just from Ireland in general. He was from Northern Ireland, where there has been bloody struggle and unresolved issues. When this man says, la," he is expressing a deep longing for his country. He went on to say that he had spent time as a political prisoner and was not afraid to again. Looking into this man's eyes, I must admit that the hope and passion in him made me feel ashamed. Did I have compelling hope and passion like this for something in my life? In the modern show Hamilton, one of my favorite lines, and there are many, is when Alexander Hamilton challenges Aaron Burr. If you stand for nothing, Burr, what will you fall for? It's a question that makes the hair stand up on the top of your head. What would I want that much? What would I stand for enough to fall for? My friend had an answer. Do I? But there is more to this story. I have not yet mentioned that my friend is intoxicated. I'm guessing he has walked the entire Camino up to this point in a state of stupor. Spirits used to ease his mind while also stirring up his passions. Peace to him, though. He carries a weight that is not light and hope that is difficult to maintain. He is coping with the fact that he is more than ready to fall for something. It's just incredibly difficult to remain standing for it. He was easing with whiskey what could not be addressed with action. Perhaps this is why the Irish make really good whiskey. I wondered that if I had met him in a different circumstance, would I have disregarded him as a drunken man? But instead, because we met here on the Camino, we gave each other the mutual respect of one pilgrim to another. And therefore I had been privy to his painful past and his current struggle, but moreover had been honored to be a witness to the passion which burned in him and with which he looked eagerly, even impatiently to the future. I pitied him in this struggle yet deeply respected him for it too. Soon, we came upon another pilgrim who had paused to tie his shoe. He asked if he could join us. We three walked on together down the road from Othabrero, talking about everything. We talked of things about which we were passionate, but what is even more noteworthy is that we felt great passion as we talked. I can only describe it as if our hearts were burning within us. There was a point when I intentionally lagged a little behind as the tone of the conversation changed, like when you excuse yourself because you feel two friends need some time alone to work something out. Now I could only overhear snippets, but I heard the pilgrim ask the Irishman what he wanted, and I heard the truquear Law phrase ring out again. The pilgrim paused and nodded, but then asked another question. Yes, but what do you really want? and down the rabbit hole they went. The heart of the pilgrims seemed to burn brighter, each with more and more insistence. After every answer the Irishman gave, the pilgrim repeated the question, yes my friend, but what do you really want? As their voices rose, I started to get impatient too. Who did this man think he was to prod a stranger, an old man like this? I could tell by the Irishman's gestures that his heart was fiery hot with frustration and realized the Irishman was spitting as he answered. I saw the pilgrim calmly wipe his face. Who was he? Now their voices got quieter. Fewer and fewer words were exchanged. My kids will tell you that the quieter I speak, the more serious I am. Maybe that was it. But also it reminded me of how people instinctively get quiet when they come upon something that feels sacred. This somehow felt like both. The quieter it got, the slower they walked, and then they stopped altogether. I couldn't tell exactly what was going on, what happens now. Then I saw the pilgrim slowly turn to face the Irishman and heard him ask with the most gentle voice, "'Yes, my dear friend, but what do you want?' most I watch now as the Irishman wheels around toward the pilgrim I watch as his Irish hands slowly ball into iron fists and his face become fiery red I like everything around us seem to be held my breath then and there's no other way to describe it the Irishman's heart broke open he shook with such heart-wrenching sobs that he lost control of himself and lurched forward. I gasped, knowing he would have, have a nasty fall on this rocky path, but the pilgrim stepped forward and caught him ever so gently. The Irishman's arms wrapped around the pilgrim's neck and the pilgrim's strong embrace held him, then gently lowered him to the ground. The Irishman sobbed so thoroughly, it shook both of their bodies But then, wait, the pilgrim was crying too. I found myself kneeling. I didn't cry. This was not my moment, but I kneeled in witness of it. I now knew who this pilgrim was. They sat together there on the Camino for quite a while with the Irishman's head resting on Jesus's shoulder. You must know that there was a beautiful sunset forming up in the West where we were headed. Everything was kind of bathed in a golden light. I don't really know how much time passed. Here and there, pilgrims came along, nodding in camaraderie at the scene and and continuing on. I smiled, realizing this scene might be uncomfortable anywhere else. Here, though, along this route of pilgrimage, this scene had deep context. And to some degree, it was what we were all here for. Pilgrims aren't made by the distance walked. They're made by the state of heart while walking. In some ways, walking five or 500 miles is irrelevant. The key is that a pilgrim is walking, seeking something. A pilgrim isn't made by the distance. She's made by the state of her heart. To understand, to grow, to be forgiven, to let go, to grieve, to find freedom, to change, or any of a multitude of human hopes and needs and desires are what pilgrims are looking for. Every pilgrim is drawn and driven by a desire for something. We all know that. What we need help with is knowing what we desire the most. Jesus' question wasn't, What do you want? but what do you want most? I flash back to the moments of the afternoon and realize now why Jesus kept questioning the Irishman relentlessly. Jesus kept asking the question to the Irishman not because he disapproved of the answers he was giving, but because he knew there was a better one. Jesus' sternness toward him was love not willing to settle for anything but the truth, the whole truth. Whatever dissatisfaction it seemed Jesus had of his answers was love. Fighting for the Irishman's heart. I don't know if the Irishman answered Jesus with words. I think his answer was his tears. After all, Jesus helped him see what he wanted most, what was truly worthy of his passion. The Irishman's response was to draw close to Jesus. Maybe even that being right there with Jesus was what he wanted most. I forgot to tell you what happened next. Eventually, Jesus and the Irishman rose and brushed off. They hugged like the best of brothers and gave each other a hearty smack on the back, each trying to act like it didn't hurt. (laughs) The Irishman, who looked 10 years younger, then blew his nose and began to collect his stuff. Jesus turned and came back my way. He held out his hand and helped me up. We brushed off the dirt and tiny rocks that had embedded in my knees. He said... I hoped you and the Irishman would walk together today. You are passionate like him, and like him, I want you to know what you want most. Do you? I was about to open my mouth and try to answer him when he smiled and smacked me on the back. That was it. Soon we were walking along again in the golden light of the evening. The Irishman and I began whistling the tune he had taught me earlier. I wondered if Jesus knew it. But even as I turned to ask Him, I knew already that He had gone.